There's much talk these days about equality. That's a word that covers a multitude of sins. And we have to say that it manifests itself in various ways and not all to the good. One aspect or one part of that of equality is to do with women. It's no longer unusual to see women in high-powered career positions or in places of authority as it used to be. Because of equality, women now have to work to the same age as men before they get their pension. That's not a good thing. And the car insurance, it has went up. That's not a good thing either. But you know, men and women, I want to say this. That the Scriptures have much to say about women. And how important they are. We're not part of a religion tonight that demeans women. Or that is against women. As some religions are. Women often hold a prominent place in the Scriptures of truth. You think of the Garden of Eden And God came to Adam and he told Adam something he didn't know. And that was that it was that he needed a soulmate. The Lord said it wasn't good that man should be alone. And so he took of that rib from Adam and he formed woman and he brought her unto Adam. And of course we have young married couples tonight and those maybe sitting out in married life later on in this year, God willing. And the Bible tells us when you find a wife, you find a good thing. In the Old Testament we have the likes of Deborah. Deborah who stood into the gap when there was no man available to deliver the nation. We can think also of Esther who was to stand before King Ahasuerus. Even though the scepter had not been held out to her. And she went and she said, if I perish, I perish. But she went before the king on behalf of her nation and her people. And she's remembered to this day among the Jewish calendar. You can think of Ruth who left the heathen land of Moab and was to go with Naomi and eventually she was to be found in the genealogy of the Lord Jesus Christ in Matthew chapter 1. Women who have an important place in the Scriptures. But you know, we don't have to look any further than this chapter to see that truth as well. And the place that they have in the eternal word of God. We have to say that Luke chapter 2 is a momentous chapter. It is the chapter about the incarnation of the promised Messiah who was to come. It tells of how Mary, that chosen vessel, was to bring forth the Christ child. But it is also the chapter that tells of what happened afterwards. In particular, bringing the Christ child to the temple when he was eight days days old, as was the custom. That time had come when the Christ child was to go through the act of circumcision in which he was to be named as Jesus, as the angel had declared unto Joseph. And he was done so before the high priest. It was the day when old Simeon longed to see and he believed that he would seek the Christ child before he died. He spoke words that day that Mary was to lay to her heart. You look at the words of verse 31. Which thou hast prepared before the face of all people a light to lighten the Gentiles and the glory of thy people Israel. Do you notice that the Gentiles are mentioned before Israel there? 
God had sent a light to lighten the Gentiles and the glory of the people Israel. Look at the words of verse 35, verse 34. And Simeon blessed him and said unto Mary his mother, Behold, this child is set for the fall and rising again of many in Israel, and for a sign which shall be spoken against. Yea, a sword shall pierce through thine own soul also, that the thoughts of many hearts may be revealed. See, it's Spurgeon said about that. Never does a man hear the gospel, but he either rises or falls under his hearing. And Mary led those words to her heart. And Mary was to stand at the cross and she was to know the sword piercing her own soul also. Words that came to fulfillment. But tonight, men and women, young people, it's not the testimony of old Simeon uh, that I desire to uh, concentrate upon, but rather a woman. But it's not Mary, but the woman who is mentioned after her. Her name is Anna. And as we take note of what is recorded of this woman, Anna, just in a two or three verses it is, we notice at least two strange things. The first thing is this, that we are instructed of her age. Not often, if ever again in the New Testament, are we told of a woman's age. It's something which most women keep close to them even to this day. And it's a brave man that will stand before a woman and ask her, what age are you? But here was an elderly woman, one who was married for only seven years before her husband died. So she's been a widow for a long time. So that's the first unusual thing. The second unusual thing that we're given about Anna is that we're also told what tribe she was from. And we're told that she was from the tribe of Asher. We're in the New Testament. But yet we're told of this woman's tribe. It has the meaning of happy or blessed. Blessed is the man whose God is the Lord. There's the same word, for example, in the Psalms, Asher. Here's a woman who was happy because the Lord was her God. And as we find her, particularly the words, verse 38, we're looking, I put it to you, at a spiritual woman. For it says, And she coming in an instant gave thanks likewise unto the Lord, and spake of him to all them that looked for redemption in Israel. Won't you notice firstly the providence of the Lord here? The Christ child was in the temple. There's Mary and Joseph and Simeon the high priest. But we also learn something from the opening words of this verse 38. It says, and she coming in that instant. It was at that very moment that this old saint of the Lord also came into the temple. And then you know that's no great surprise. When we consider what the Holy Ghost has said about her in the previous verse 37, she is a widow of about four score and four years, which departed not from the temple. She didn't turn away from the temple, the place of God, the house of God. She was in the temple. She served the Lord there. Here's a dear old soul, and she loved to be in the house of the Lord. It was her favorite place where she would pray and fast before God. She wasn't as the hypocrites. Because the hypocrites love to do those things out in the open to get the praise of men 
and to have their long prayers and so forth. But she was one who fasted and she prayed to the Lord often in the temple. And let me ask you just before I go any further, I wonder, do you love the house of God like this woman did? There's many, it's just a chore. There's many, it's just a ticking of a box for at the end of the week or the start of a new week and then they go forth from the house of God. But there's no real love for it. The psalmist could say, I was glad when they said unto me, let us go into the house of the Lord. Here's a widow, and it is recorded of her that she departed not from the temple. But as we read these words, you'll note the providence of God and she coming in that instant. God had planned it so that when Christ, the Savior of this world, was in the temple, that Anna also should come in that moment of time. She could have been in her home. She could have been at other places. But God's timing is always the right time and it's always the perfect time. And the providence and the timing of the Lord saw to it that the paths of Christ and this woman Anna were to meet. You see, men and women, the clock of God's time never runs slow and it never runs fast. Let me give you a little example of that in John 11, in the words of verse 6. It says there in verse 4, for example, that Lazarus was sick and he was sick unto death. The sickness is not unto death, but for the glory of God, that the Son of God might be glorified thereby. Verse 6 says, When he had heard, therefore, that he was sick, he abode two days still in the same place where he was. When he gets to the grave, he's been stinking these four days. But you see, the Lord didn't go immediately when he heard about his friend's sickness. His coming to Lazarus was in the right time so that the miracle of raising him from the dead would have the greatest effect and that much glory would be given unto God. And wasn't that what happened? For we read that when many of the Jews had seen the things that Jesus did, they believed on him. His timing was right. I recall the words of Second Peter chapter 3. It speaks of the unbelievers and the scoffers of the last days who sneer at the second coming of the Lord. I want you to listen to the words of verse 8. But beloved, be not ignorant of this one thing, that one day is with the Lord as a thousand years, and a thousand years as one day. The Lord is not slack concerning his promise, as some men count slackness, but willing, not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. It's just as well that the Savior hasn't come back yet. He is coming. Peter, it reminds even the scoffers in his days that the Lord is coming back. He's coming back for his own. But it's a good job he hasn't come back because you will be condemned and lost for all eternity if he had of. I want to say this, the Lord is not slack concerning his promises. When God has decreed his coming again, it will happen. But his patience and his long-suffering is that you might have opportunity to repent from your sin that you would never perish. You see, it was God's providence and plan that Noah, that preacher of righteousness, should have 120 years in building of the ark so as to warn men and women of the coming judgment. And does that not only speak to us of the long-suffering and of the mercy and the patience of God? 
Listen, God's timing may not be be what we think. After all, his thoughts are not our thoughts. His ways are not our ways. And we are reminded by the Savior that the hour of his return, no man knoweth. Save the Father. There are many false prophets out there. Matthew 24, 36 says, But of that day and hour knoweth no man, no, not the angels of heaven, but my Father only. And the angels go at the Father's bedding. And the angels are guardians of us. And there are those that serve the heirs of God's salvation, yet they don't know the Lord's second coming, the day or the date. But the Father knows. In the providence of God, he brought this woman Anna along to the temple at the very moment, the very instant where Christ was there. I wonder, did you ever think of that concerning your own life? The providence of God has kept you late one day so that you wouldn't end up in some fatal situation. The providence of God has put you in a place where another believer has witnessed to you. His providence has brought you to the house of God tonight. When you could have been at home, where you could have been somewhere other place that wasn't beneficial to your soul. His providence has meant that you would have a meeting with the Lord. That you would hear of him who died for you. And that you would hear words whereby you must be saved. You men and women, young person, can we not say, that's the goodness of the Lord to your soul. And the goodness of God ought to lead thee to repentance. God's providence that Anna was here. Let me show you the praise to the Lord. Picture this scene as you can, as it is displayed for us in these words. This old saint of the Lord, having come to the temple, was to lift up her eyes, and she saw the Christ child. She's one who recognized that this was the Christ. This was the promised Messiah from the Old Testament Scriptures. Remember, Anna hasn't got the complete canon as we have. She only has the Old Testament. But she knew the Word. And she knew the Word that it spoke of Christ and the promised Messiah to come, the Savior who would come to save His people from their sins. And I think it more than just a supposition to suggest that the temple would have other people in it that day at that time seeking to go through their form of ritual and religion. But the saddest thing surely is this, that out of that crowd, no matter what number there would have been, only Simeon and this woman Anna recognized the Savior. There were many in the house of the Lord, but how many missed him? Is it not the same to this day for their multitudes to go into the house of God and they go through their form of religion and their ritual? They believe themselves to be good people. They're religiously found in their church and yet time after time, meeting after meeting, they miss the Lord. They go to church, but they do not see Christ. Oh, they see neighbors, they see friends, they see the preacher. But there's no meeting with the Savior who can save their souls. But here is Anna, and she saw the Christ. And having realized who he was, she did what was only appropriate to do. As we see in the words of verse 38, she come in in that instant, gave thanks likewise unto the Lord. 
Simeon had cause to do the same. For in his old age, the Lord had allowed him to see the Christ before he died. And having saw the Lord, I want you to see this. I don't know why you ever considered this in reading this verse before. Look at verse 29. It says, verse 28, Then took he him up in his arms and blessed God and said, Lord, now lettest thou thy servant to depart in peace according to thy word. He had no more desire to stay on earth. He had seen the Christ. This whole world had nothing else to offer. For this man just longed for the day in which that promise of the Lord given to him that he would see the Christ child, the very Redeemer. And he says, Lord, now let us die thy servant depart in peace. Lord, just take me home now. I've seen the Lord. I've seen the Christ. Simeon was found to be praising the Lord. He said, mine eyes have seen thy salvation. And Anna is a woman who gives thanks unto the Lord. The only saviour of a lost world had come, of whom it was spoken hundreds of years previous. He had come to seek and to save that which was lost. He had come to do the will of his heavenly Father. He had come into the world to save sinners. Paul could say, Christ Jesus came into the world to save sinners, of whom I am chief. There was great cause for thanksgiving. Men and women, if the Savior had not come, then not a soul could have been saved. If God in his great love had not ordained that one day heaven should take leave of his only begotten, his only beloved son, then there would never have been a redeemer. There would never have been a savior. And if Christ had not been obedient to the way of the cross, then sinners and rebels like you and I could never have been saved. We could never have been fit for glory or for heaven. If that spotless lamb had not borne away our sins on his own body on the cross and shed his precious blood, if Christ had not died on that middle tree as the sinner's substitute, if Christ had not satisfied divine justice, then you and I could only look forward to an eternity languishing in hell itself. But Christ came. And thanks be unto the Lord, which giveth us the victory. The Savior has come. He died according to the Scriptures and was buried. And He rose again according to the Scriptures. And for all who put their faith and trust in Him, there's eternal life. There's a home in heaven awaiting them. And they're assured of it. I wonder, did you ever thank God for sending His only Son? Did you ever thank Him for dying on that old rugged cross in your guilty room and stand? There was no other good enough to pay the price of sin. He only could unlock the gate of heaven and let us in. The hymn of Cecil Francis Alexander it's believed that she penned those words from the rectory in Londonderry looking across on the hills of Donegal. But her gaze, you see, went beyond Donegal and they went to that hillside outside Jerusalem's walls. And she penned of the Savior. And there was no other good enough. Amen, oh, woman, did you ever thank the Lord for sending his only begotten son. The hymn writer captures it 
in those words that we sometimes sing. Have you ever said, I thank thee, Lord, for giving thy life for me? Have you ever thanked him for taking those nails in his hands and his feet? It would only be a meaningful thanks if you were to accept what the Lord has done for you personally and accept Christ as your Savior. Only then could you praise the Lord in the manner in which Anna did. It was a thanks from her heart. She gave thanks unto the Lord. Will you not look away by faith to that cross tonight and be saved? And go home rejoicing and praising and thanking the Lord for what he has done not merely for sinners, but for you. And to be able to say, Christ died for me. To go on rejecting the Savior, to go on rejecting the message of the work of Calvary is surely the epitome of thanklessness and ungratefulness. Psalm 118 and 1 tells us, Oh, give thanks unto the Lord, for he is good, because his mercy endureth forever. He's been merciful to your soul. And had you hear the message of redeeming grace one more time. But what will you do with Christ tonight? You know, there's another little thought I want you to see in that verse. That is the proclaiming of the Lord. Anna, in seeing the Lord Jesus and giving thanks for him, she was to do something. Let's record it for us. She come in at that instant, give thanks likewise unto the Lord, and spake of him to all them that look for redemption in Jerusalem. Here's a woman who spoke of the Lord Jesus. She was one who witnessed of Christ, not only in her own life and how she had known that. Her name means grace. Anna came from a tribe that means Habai. Her name means grace. She was one who experienced the grace of God reaching down and saving her soul. Ephesians 2, 8 and 9. For by grace are ye saved through faith, that not of yourselves. It is a gift of God. Not of works. Lest any man should boast. The Lord God had been gracious to her. And she was one who lived up to her name. But she witnessed that the Lord had come. She goes forth from the temple with the good news from it. That the Savior whom the Old Testament scriptures had spoken of had now come. Anna was a woman who proclaimed Christ. It tells us to whom she spoke of the Savior as to all them that look for redemption in Israel. Word redemption, of course, is a very important word in the Scriptures. It's a word which means to purchase or to buy back. It's an Old Testament word that was used of the slaves which would be bought out of the slave market. Price would be paid and the owner would take them home. They will be set free. There were a people both in the city of Jerusalem and all Israel. They were looking for a setting of free. They were looking for a freedom from the Romans. They were looking for the great deliverance. Joanna spoke of another particular redemption. People look for redemption and to come. 
They were as prisoners who desired to be let loose and go free. And dear people, we read in the scriptures in John of Christ, shall set you free, you shall be free indeed. There's no one else who can set you free tonight from the bondage that you're in. And Hannah was able to proclaim the name of Christ to them. The one who can break the chains of sin. The one who can alone can set the prisoner free. It's a word which cannot take on any greater meaning than that of delivering a soul from the bondage of their sin. The sinner due to sin is in the prison house. He cannot pay the ransom of himself. He's a prisoner. In fact, Ephesians 2 reminds us that we're dead in trespasses and in sins. He cannot work to get his freedom, for he's in chains. And if he is ever to go free, then there needs to be another who will come and pay the price for his sin and for his ransom. And you know, there's a wonderful little word It's found in Job 33 and verse 24. It simply says this. And he is gracious unto him and saith, Deliver him from going down to the pit. I have found a ransom. And that's the message of God to your soul tonight, sinner. God has found a ransom. It is in his only beloved son. The ransom price was not monetary in terms of silver or gold that corrupts and passeth away, but it was the precious blood of the Lord Jesus Christ that was shed on Calvary's tree. And tonight we can say, Jesus paid it all. All to him we owe. Sin had left its crimson stain. He washed it white as snow. That Redeemer whom Anna spoke of was the Savior. It was the Lord Jesus Christ. That sacrificial lamb who would lay down his life for his sheep. What a message. What a message she had to proclaim. What good news there was for those who were looking for redemption in Israel. Dear child of God, are you following in the footsteps of this spiritual woman? I don't read that she was a preacher. She wasn't. But she spake of the Lord to all them that look for redemption. Are you saying a little word? Are you speaking of Christ to all who need God's redemption? Those that cross your path, and I never cross. For how shall they call on him in whom they have not believed? And how shall they believe in him of whom they have not heard? Tell me, dear sinner, tonight are you one who's looking for God's redemption? Are you one who is searching and looking for the one who can set you free from the bondage of your sin? There's hope for your soul tonight in the Savior whom Anna saw that day in the temple and the one in whom she spake to others about. For he has paid the full price for sin. He has opened the prison doors. You think of it. The prison doors have been swung open so that you can come out of the darkness of your sins and into the glorious light of God's salvation into this freedom The doors have been opened, but still you're there. Still you're stuck in that old prison. 
I tell you, when you go into Magabre and the doors of the prison house are opened, the prisoner will want to get out. They're too glad to get out even for a little visit in the common room for a half hour with some friend. But you're tonight in that prison house of sin, in the darkness of your sin, the doors have been opened by the redemptive and the atoning work of Christ on the cross, and yet you're still there. My dear unsaved friend, the prison gates have been swung open, but what you must do is to take that step of faith and trust the one who obtained our redemption at the highest price. Even the laying down of his life, even the shedding of his own precious blood. I wonder, will you come to the Savior tonight? God help you to be wise and choose Christ. That you might leave this house a spiritual man, a spiritual woman, one who's born again, redeemed with precious blood. May the Lord bless his word to our hearts for his own name's sake.